0: Welcome to the latest FT Advisor podcast with me, Simni Kiriakou, editor of FT Advisor. Unless you have been on a very long sabbatical on an island with no internet reception, which does sound like bliss, you all know the mortgage market has been on a roller coaster ride over the past year. Since Liz Truss's disastrous mini-budget last year, combined with rampant inflation and subsequent base rate rises lenders, brokers and would-be borrowers alike have been trying to keep up with the fast-paced changes to products. And how are we to make sense of what is happening in the mortgage market right now? On this podcast, we welcome Mike Cook. He's the Chief Mortgage Officer for Market Financial Solutions and Jane King, Mortgage Advisor with Ash Ridge. We'll also be hearing a short report from Theo Gray, and he'll be outlining some of the developments in the mortgage market over the past three to six months and those pain points where customers might need expert help right now. So, Theo, over to you.
1: Thank you, Simony. It will come as no surprise to FT Advisor listeners that many would-be borrowers for the mortgage market is a mess. The continuously changing mortgage rate environment alone is hard to navigate, especially for many first-time buyers and conflicting messages on social media can be very off-putting to the general public. With the interest rates so high and house prices still soaring, buying a house and getting a mortgage can be incredibly difficult without advice. A survey from Butterfield Mortgages has stated that 20% of borrowers have delayed or abandoned their plans to buy a new home in the past year due to higher rates. That's one in five borrowers that won't be buying a new home due to the interest rates. This indicates how rises in interest rates alone have cut off a large proportion of people from becoming homeowners. The average rate of house price growth in the UK has only recently begun to cool, but not enough, and servicing the mortgage on the property of their dreams can feel more like a nightmare. Not only can people not afford to buy new houses, but the Buttersfield Mortgage Survey also showed that 13% of borrowers have had to downsize or move to a cheaper property to lower their mortgage repayments that's 13% of borrowers, that could have lowered their standard of living because of the high interest rate environment and persistently high inflation. Commentators have pointed out that these people would not have been making a poor financial decision when they bought their home, let's say, five years ago. No one would have guessed that their interest rates would skyrocket as they have. One of the biggest issues is confusion about the economy and its effects on lenders and house prices. It has become hard to predict what will happen next. According to Butterfield, 44% of existing mortgage customers are confident that interest rates are nearing their peak and borrowing costs could ease in the coming 12 months. That means 56% of people believe rates could still increase by some margin. This highlights how unpredictable the mortgage market is and how much of a mess it is to navigate without advice. Why would someone enter the market without taking expert advice if they're not sure if they could afford their mortgage in, let's just say, six months? Confidence is a crucial part of our economy and when people who want to buy houses lack confidence and have not taken advice it's no wonder that some people end up making the wrong turn. It's not just the interest rates that are problem for first-time buyers. The ridiculously high house prices are crippling as well especially in London. Research from Benham Reeves states that the average London house price is currently just over £525,000. A 20% deposit means that initial down payment needed to buy this average London house is approximately £105,000. This then leaves roughly £420,000 to be covered by a mortgage. But the average mortgage provider will end up to 4.5 times the buyer's income. This means that the average solo buyer buying the average London house will have to learn at least £93,000. The problem there lies that the average London salary is just over £44,000. This means that buyers need an annual salary increase of 111%, and that's just to buy your average house. A lot also depends on the postcode in the capital. For example, in Wandsworth, the area with the smallest affordability gap, the average person would still require a 72% increase in pay to obtain a mortgage for the average home in Wandsworth. The borough with the worst affordability is the borough of Camden. The average house price here is roughly £860,000, pounds but the average income in Camden is only £48,000. That means the earning gap is a staggering 214%, making it the least affordable of all the London boroughs. How can someone feasibly become a homeowner while the house price-to-income ratio is so large? And more interest rates could well be on the cards. Thank you. Back to you, Simone.
0: Thank you very much. Um well that's pretty stark and uh I'm just wondering if our guests have any immediate responses to this I'll uh, I'll be traditional and uh, say Jane could you uh, could you go first please
2: Well, it's not very edifying uh, information, is it? Um, It is getting difficult, but then it's always been difficult in places like London. Um, But yes, it's definitely, um, well, it's a bit of a buyer's market. I mean, sellers are are being more realistic now about what they're selling their homes for, but absolutely agree with Theo. It's very, very difficult, and and I can't see any
3: signs of it easing up in the short to medium term.
2: Mm, Indeed. Mike,
3: what's your view? Well, I I think it's fairly damning data. Um, There's no doubt about it. And I think there are two groups that are particularly harder hit, and that's those trying to get on the ladder. So the first time buyers or those trying to climb up the ladder uh, traditionally, um, but also those in lower incomes. I think if we look at data, if we look at the 2008 sort of housing bubble before it sort of had an adjustment. Um, the average household could afford the cheapest 20% of houses and that is if you lined up every house from lowest to, to highest the sort of median if you like um, they could afford the, the, the lowest 20%, but now that's only 10%. So it literally has is, is, is halved on what they can actually aspire to afford to. Mm. And wages did stagnate a little bit after 2008 as well. So that, that gap has actually just increased significantly. And if you go back a little bit further to 1999, that sort of midpoint house, if you look at income multiples, which is a very traditional way of looking, um, at affordability it was 4.4 times that sort of middle earners income so those middle classes it's now 8.4 if you wanted to go for that midpoint house that's not really achievable unless you've built up a lot of equity and therefore you're fortunate enough to do that mm. but that's not for those that are on getting on the ladder or up the ladder so it's, it's definitely um, and, and harder for those lower incomes because it's 19 times income
0: yeah. and that's
3: really difficult
0: yeah. And I think the figures, particularly in London, I know we, we know London is, is, is skewed anyway, because capitals tend to, to have much higher property values. But that um, even those figures for, for Wandsworth was quite stark because Wandsworth is traditionally, you know, very high level of good housing, good quality housing, you know, quite a middle class area in, in, in much of it. Um, but it seeing just how stark that price differential is, is is, is really quite, um, it's quite telling. And, and you know, we've had so, some commentators, you know, suggesting there could be defaults on mortgage payments. Um, I've seen figures even today saying it could be up to 750,000 Brits could be at risk of defaulting. I mean, what are your views on that? Is that sensationalist or is that sort of, is, is that possible given the, the situation?
3: It has been um, increasing. There's no doubt about it. Um, Repossessions, which is obviously the the ultimate event where people uh, lose their property, uh, has been increasing slowly. But there has been sort of moratoriums between, you know, lenders uh, and with the government and regulators. Um, So it's it's going to happen. Sadly, it is. There's lots of avenues to discuss, and that is the first thing to do to anybody in that situation is discuss it with our advisor and their lender um, on what options are available. Um, There is a definite jump in in missed payments, and that only gets worse because lenders tend to measure it in sort of three payments down, then six payments down, and and by that point, you're seen as being uh, in default. And I think as things really bite, I think there's one stark um, statistic that if you took out a two-year fixed rate two years ago um, and that would have been two point something percent that is maturing right now the average go-to rate or revert rate for that mortgage would now be 7.85 percent Mm. so that is a payment shock of 5.33 on average so if you think what you've been paying and all of a sudden you've got that that is quite a payment shock, and that will exacerbate the problem for those mm. those groups of customers.
0: Jane, I'm going to come to you because I've seen you sort of tweeting. I don't know if we can call it tweeting now. Xing, I think is what mm. we have to, to now call it the social <laughs> media site. Um, that you know you have had some clients or some people coming to you because they are up for remortgaging now. What what are their big fears?
2: Well, I think people are well prepared for this now. It's been on the news in the papers. Everybody knows that when their fixed rate comes to an end, um, they're going to be in for a shock. It is only a small minority of people um, at the moment, you know, whose rates are up within the next six months or whose rates have been up within the last sort of three to six months. Um, You know, the 7.85% is sort of a standard variable rate now. And most people, um, even if they're struggling a bit, can move on to a, to a new rate, even if they are forced because of affordability to stick with their um, existing lender. And certainly when I review mortgages for clients, I always look at what the existing lender is going to offer them, because quite often um, it's more competitive for them to stay with their existing lender than it is for them to switch. You know, Without a significant saving, there's no point. Um, and if the affordability is the struggle to switch to a new lender, then most lenders will offer alternatives as far as um defaults are are concerned i think a lot of the the, um, borrowers and clients that i speak to some of them made a fair bit over covid you know they've banked money that they saved when they were working from home and didn't have to commute um, and all the rest of it Um, and they are dipping into their savings or they're cutting back on discretionary expenditure Um, they do realize that this is how it's going to be you can sit and wait for six months if you want, but interest rates are not going to go back down to sub mm. 2%. So you're going to have to do something about it now and think about it now. But I would say to anybody if they are struggling, we do have the mortgage charter there. Please do call your lender. They do want to help, they don't want to repossess your property. It is a last resort. But there will always be cases where that is the only option. Um, but please, please do call them.
0: Are you seeing, Jane, a rise in people looking for payment holidays? And are lenders receptive to that?
2: I think it all it's all part of the package. As advisors, we can't ask lenders for payment holidays. But what we can say to clients, look, if you are struggling, maybe a payment holiday would be a better alternative than um, the mortgage charter um, options. But most lenders won't let you take a payment holiday unless you've been overpaid. You've been overpaying and building up credit, then they'll let you take a payment holiday. Otherwise, it's quite rare for them to allow it. So, my advice would be to just give them a call, explain what your situation is, um, and they will do some sort of budget planner. And don't think that, you know, because you're struggling to pay your mortgage, you can still have that £600 a month car on a lease because, you know, they do take a bit of a dim view of that. So they will do a budget planner and they will look at what your disposable income is. And hopefully they will be able to, you know, formulate a plan that will help you out, even if it's only for a little
3: while. Mm.
0: No, that's very useful. Very useful uh,
3: Yeah, I I think that's a good point. And also part of that moratorium or the the, the package um, is being able to switch to um, interest only, which can significantly reduce your monthly amount without totally missing a payment, which can actually work out a little bit more efficient. Um, But again, that's part of um, speaking with the uh, the lender.
0: Mm. Uh, With lenders starting to reduce some of their rates, uh, we've seen some sort of 0.5s and even some 0.75s. We've got lenders starting to reduce rates, maybe to tempt new borrowers or to to tempt people to to remortgage. Um, But then we've got the Bank of England sort of signalling that actually more rate rises might need to still be on the cards. Inflation is coming down, but core inflation is still persistently high. We had some figures out yesterday on persistent inflation. So that was fun for me to read. Um, And really sort of trying to to understand what's going on, it feels like we're getting very mixed signals. Um, What sort of signals... Are we seeing about the health of the mortgage market, Mike? Is it, is it is it healthy still? Is it alive? Is it kicking? Well,
3: these things are cyclical. And I've been in the industry for, for many, many years. And, you know, we are in just one of those periods that you know, we explained to the younger members of staff where um, were at work that you know, these things happen in that house prices have um, a little bit of an adjustment, but over time they tend to. Keep sort of rising more than inflation. It's one of the only assets you typically buy that goes up. And at the moment, we're just in one of those slight adjustment periods. But it's the same with with rates. Um, there's times when um, lenders do compete a little bit more. And at the moment, what you're seeing is the impact of um, a slower market. So if we take the you know the first sort of quarter of this year, uh, well, lending was only down by. Yeah, nearly a quarter. So it was 25% down on the first quarter last year. But it's actually the mortgage offers. So those sort of new deals coming in the pipeline that were down over 40%. So, yes, the market is down. But last year was a big year. The year before was a slower year. The year before that was slow, but the year before that was very big. So these are cyclical things. And at the moment for lenders, yes, they do come out and compete a little bit when they do secure a little bit of lower funding. Even if it's just a tranche of funding at a slightly lower rate, they will go out and become a little bit more competitive to try and keep that share up. Um, So we're seeing a little bit of that. But, of course... It's already priced in for fixed rates. So it's already priced in that they expect the Bank of England base rate to go up a little bit, but it's how quickly it comes back down and to what level determines the fixed rate pricing. Mm -hmm. And I think you're just seeing a few lenders, mainly banks, that have savers as well. They're not always reliant on borrowing fixed rate money from elsewhere. They do have tranches of savings money that they can release out in mortgages and sometimes slightly cheaper.
0: Right, right. So hopefully we'll see lenders kind of rush um to to reduce a bit further without sort of uh without also sort of stagnating savings um because obviously the the upside of higher interest rates is that savings are getting higher higher rates um but talking of rises and things um one thorny issue has been the uh, emergence or the reemergence of conditional selling f t advisor has been reporting quite recently that there has been an increase in conditional selling um there's also been a rise in house price valuations being reduced time and again we're seeing people not being able to sell at original valuations are we just being optimistic about how much we can get for our house now are these again warning signs on the horizon or is this just cyclical i mean jane are you sort of hearing these things or experiencing these things
2: well of course selling has been around for years and years and years um i did a little job in an estate agent years ago. The mortgage brokerage was, you know, owned by the director of the estate agent. We were all under pressure to pass, you know, details through to the mortgage advisors. It's been going on for years. Um, I think most of us, um, although it's annoying in a way, and it's annoying for the buyers and annoying for the clients, I think as us experience. Advisors that have been around the block we are pretty sort of laid back about it. Um, but it goes on, it shouldn't, it's wrong. Um, and I don't know how they're getting away with it, but they are. Um, As as far as valuations are concerned, yes, I'm definitely, my patch is sort of London and the South East. I'm definitely seeing um, properties being downvalued, but not by a great deal. Um, I would say maybe 5%. I think lenders, um, sorry, I think vendors um, are being more realistic about what they can get for their property. They're taking offers in the first place. Um, And then, of course, if it downvalues yet again, they, they do get a bit upset some of them and a bit miffed because they've already, you know, knocked 5% off. I need to find out it's been downvalued by another 5%. But I think it's good for the buyers. I think, you know, if first-time buyers can get onto the ladder with less cost, obviously with um, the, stat- the bank base rates stress testing on affordability has gone up with lenders so people can't borrow as much as they could maybe a year ago so maybe um, you know a drop in prices and if you're moving up the ladder then what you lose on your house you're probably gaining on the house you're buying so unless you're selling and not buying anything and not going anywhere it all goes up and down the chain anyway so I think maybe it's not a bad thing um, especially on my patch where it's you know very very expensive. I'm going to show my ignorance
0: here um, and, and ask whether Lenders, when they send their valuers in, um, are they sort of encouraging their teams to come up with a slightly lower valuation so they don't have to? lend Mike's shaking his head because he doesn't think lenders are that sneaky. Jane,
2: uh, <laughs> have you? No, oh. no. What happens when you fill out the mortgage application form? Obviously, you put the purchase price. From, from my understanding, is the valuers are told is it suitable security at that price? And the value will either tick a box and say, yes, it is, or no, it isn't. This is what I think it's worth. So they're not being asked to actually value it at the purchase price. I think they're just being asked, is it suitable? All right. So we are normally told if it down values by 5% or more, or if it up values by 5% or more, then we're told. Otherwise, it's just a satisfactory sort of box ticked.
0: Right. So it's not the lenders trying to work in their own best interests.
2: <laughs>
3: just have to check this mic. Well, no, that's a fair challenge. I think what we're seeing is we're not really seeing much down valuation. There's a couple of firms that are maybe a little bit more prevalent, but it, it, it's their view on that market and, and we tend to hire um, a valuer that's a specialist in a particular area on a particular type of property. We're a more specialist lender. so um, And we're seeing examples. So if you look at annual house price inflation, it's still at about one, one and a bit percent up on the same point last year. The only people that are losing out is if you bought a house within the last year and you're now selling it, you'll see a down valuation from what you paid for it. So people are still over that time seeing an increase in their in their property so they're not as sensitive to it um, and we're seeing people that came to us for say a bridging loan a year ago and they've moved it onto a buy to let loan now and we go to either the same or a different valuer and it is about the same or a tiny bit up, maybe 1% we're seeing certain investment, like a block of flats, actually going up in value because rents have gone up and therefore the commercial value is of that bigger, property yeah. has gone up and we're seeing that reflected in it as well. I think where we're seeing it is more prime London properties. So, you know, worth more than a million, two million. Those ones are being downvalued down a little bit more um, than others that we're seeing but typically not a, a huge problem and I would agree with Jane I think estate agents because they became more corporate and these huge chains they got really invested in financial services so and, and legal services so they've always been trying to push people down that route but I think you know you can stand your ground you can listen to them you don't have to buy mm,
0: Fair enough you can listen to them you don't have to buy <laughs> that's going to be a tough um, a tough thing to say to would-be borrowers Um What are sort of top tips for people looking to sell or buy right now? Jane, what would your sort of advice to to clients looking to sell um, be right now?
2: Well, I don't really deal with the clients when they're selling. Uh, my sort of area is more when they're buying. Um, and I, and there's never really a wrong time to buy. Um, and I always get asked, should we wait six months? Shouldn't we wait six months? And, I, and it's just a case if you find the property that you love and you can afford to buy it, then just buy it because we could all try and time the market. It's almost impossible um, unless you're really lucky to try and time it. Um, if I was a seller, I would say be realistic um be prepared to take an offer uh, to get the chain moving and to you know to move up ladder and and the the prices that everybody in the mad scramble during covid you know and the sealed bids Mm. and all the rest of it those days have all gone um just be realistic and um yeah I think that's the only thing I can say uh really is you're not going to get what you thought you were going to get you know a year a couple of years ago
0: yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, Mike, if you were looking to, to, to buy right now, what would your uh, what
3: would your advice be to people who are buying right now? Well, I think for those buying, um, there's you always feel like you've missed out and no matter what decade you've bought in, you always think, oh, I've missed the cheap period and I remember in the 90s buying my first place where you think, oh, they're really expensive now, but do you know what? Yes, there might be a little bit, but it goes up in value over time. So always... It, follow your heart if it's something you really want to do there are some people moving to slightly cheaper areas to get something they can afford because they want to get on the ladder you have to compromise sometimes but i also think secure the rate you know speak to your broker your advisor secure a rate they may go down slightly over time but you can always speak to the lender to say oh i've noticed your rates have come down can i just switch to that lower rate please before the the deal completes that's perfectly acceptable it used to be um you know in in the in the seller's viewpoint now house price adjustments as jane alluded to are a good thing you know for for many people nobody wants a house price inflation that just keeps hitting double digits mm-hmm. keeps going up because the problem just gets worse you now need a bit of time now wages have grown you need a time just to narrow that affordability yeah. gap a little bit and so and, and it, it's taken about 55 days to sell a property at the moment so But if you price it realistically, so in a seller's mindset, it halves. And that's been proved by a lot of the bigger, the the Zoopla's the right move type data people, where if you actually put your house on a market, you just get more attention immediately if you put it at a realistic price. And that makes a huge um, difference as well. But also what I would say is, if you find that the estate agent is blocking your offer because of these conditional selling, yeah, I've done it before, stick your offer through the letterbox Appeal directly to I've the, that too. Yeah, yeah. Just directly to the seller offers... sorry Jay. yeah I,
2: i've got yeah i've got clients to go around at, at, under cover of darkness and put nice kind letters we've offered through clients letter boxes in order to get their offer across um it's not i don't think it's that uncommon but but quite often the buyers are a bit nervous and it's just like well what have you got to lose really
0: yeah, well, you don't want to look like a stalky Joe, do you? Just <laughs> going around to some poor old lady's house and sticking a letter through a box saying, "I'd like to buy your house. This is how much I'll pay." But yeah, no, I, I think that's that's quite a, a wise move. If that is a if you are being blocked by conditional selling, I think that's a that's a very wise thing. And yeah, maybe that's maybe that's just not very British, Jane. <laughs> I like to be pushy, but perhaps we just have to be a bit more realistic and maybe think about doing things slightly differently.
3: Yeah. And I think with those that are um, in a situation where they're not deciding to move, and that's one of the biggest impacted... Uh, sectors here which is those movers that have just decided that it's just too expensive to do that right now they'll sit and wait but that's okay if the transactions go down house prices just steady a little bit so it's a good thing and then they move when they can speak with their advisor or broker about you know what rate options are available for them or product switch options to stay with their current lender and the earlier you do that the better
0: Mm. excellent Uh, Mike and Jane, there's some really fabulous tips there for both borrowers, sellers, and for advisors. That's that's not both, is it? You can tell I'm not actually uh, an economist, Um, but I could be a politician. Probably could be Chancellor of the Exchequer with my uh, Mm. maths there. Um, Thank you so much, Jane. Thank you so much, Mike, for taking the time to speak to us today. Thank you, Theo, for your report on the state of the market, and thank you all for listening. Until next time, take care.